I think people need to step outside the box that they think they have to run in mm -hmm. and just look at it differently. And when you start to looking at it differently, you just start to, you know, if everyone's an orange, you're an apple. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everyone, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really excited for today's episode. I'm sitting down with Travis Jones. He goes by TJ. He's the founder of Result-Based Training Gyms. There's 21 of them and counting. He is an incredible entrepreneur. He is literally 50% epic entrepreneur, 50% incredible philanthropist. He stands for everything that the show represents. And so I cannot wait for you to be inspired by him, for you to learn from him, and for you to hear some of the incredible stories that are about to unfold. Now, speaking of being a great entrepreneur, we are trying to give a fast start. We're trying to teach the absolute best foundations to all of you brand new entrepreneurs out there who are between fifty dollars and $250,000 a year in income or revenue. If you're between fifty dollars and $250,000 a year, you have to go over to fastfoundations.com because we have built an over 20 some thousand dollar mastermind, right? That's what this thing is valued at for less than a fraction of that price. Why? Because we decided that the people who need it the most should be able to afford it the most. It's like a giant experiment and I'm so freaking excited about it. So whether it is the online video library that is created just for this mastermind and all the foundations and hacks and secrets that you need, whether it's the two in-person long weekends where myself, my wife, and all of our friends are rolling up our sleeves and teaching you everything we know and lifting the veil of all that will accelerate your business, or whether it's the two Zoom calls per month, in five months' time, this mastermind will change your life. So if you're between fifteen dollars and $250,000, you're an entrepreneur, absolutely drop what you're doing. Go over to fastfoundations.com. Check it out. There's even a button you can click if you have more questions, but the seats are almost gone. So head over there quickly, fastfoundations.com. I can't wait to see you in the fam. That's what we call our mastermind members, the family. All right, guys, let's get it going with Travis Jones because he is incredible. Based in Australia, he's given up his time so he can inspire us and teach us and share his story. Quite honestly, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to inspire you because before all the success, before being an eight-figure entrepreneur, it started with 51 no's and finally a yes on the 52nd try. You'll hear the story. You'll love the story. And it also started with TJ selling his car, selling his belongings, and living in his first gym location for over a year. It's such a great reminder of what it takes to become a success story. He even talks about why and how he started his foundation and if he would do it all over again if he went back. So for all of you that have a cause you care about, if you're thinking about starting your own charity, and if you have the question of, is it better just to donate to one that is like-minded or start your own, he answers that for you very clearly. I'm telling you, he's a wealth of knowledge. So listen... TJ is literally 50% genius entrepreneur, 50% philanthropist, 100% inspiration, and his ethos is one that should inspire us all. So get ready, listen up, because here we go. TJ, my friend, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing? 
Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man. It's nice and early over here, and um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We were just talking offline, 9 a.m. in Australia, and something like, what, 2 o'clock here in L.A., I think it is? I know, I'm living in your future. <laughs> yeah, you, okay, so you got to tell me what's about to happen in the future. I'll go bet on it and make a bunch of money. It's like the, it's like the Almanac, right? We're uh, doing Back to the Future right now. Totally. Oh my God, great reference. I freaking love that. All right, so I'm really excited to talk to you today. And I start all my shows with Rapid Fire. It's just a fun way for my listeners to get to know you in a hurry. And then if there's something good that we want to circle back around on and do a deep dive on, we will. You down? Yeah, let's go for it. So cool. So I'll start real easy. Where'd you grow up? <laughs> Uh, Perth, Western Australia. I have so many friends from Perth. It's crazy. Where do you live now? Melbourne, uh, Victoria in Australia. And what's your favorite quote? My favorite quote would have to be, um, dream as if you'll live forever and live as if you'll die today. Oh man, is that good. One of your superpowers. My superpowers? Um, I would say resilience and internal optimism. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to touch on that during the show. What are your favorite books ever? Um, a Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Dude, it is so good. I mean, so yeah. good. I love that. Uh, what's one thing you're challenged by right now? Um, challenged by scaling the business always whilst eating cash. Mm, <laughs> we're definitely getting into that one. A couple more quick questions for you. What is one of your best accomplishments this far? Um, I guess the best accomplishment, like building a, we're at 21 gyms and doing about $12 million of revenue. So that was probably the biggest one as far as business. But my true best one is probably getting married and having two kids. Oh man, good answer. I love it. And what is something you've done that is uh, generous recently? Generous recently? Um, I could do mentoring for 21 days for business owners for free. And I normally take on like 10 people um, just to help them get through the funk um, on a 21-day basis. We do coaching on top of that. But um, that's one of the biggest things I've done recently. That's really cool. That's a cool idea. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful for the fact that I get to breathe, I get to walk, I get to uh, basically be in business. Mm, you and me both. Okay, so let's go a little bit deeper in the interview now. And I want to start with this. You've got this massively successful uh, chain, 21 gyms and growing. But let's go back to the time in your very first year. In order to make this happen, you were living in your freaking gym, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Was, okay, man, bring us back there. What was that like? Um, like I'm someone who lives um, very deep on the risk side of things. So I was working in a inner gym as a franchisee, like a big box gym. And I was like, you know what? I, I wasn't really feeling the vibe. You know, they, they sort of work on a whole 90% um, members not showing up rather than 90% members showing up. And I was like, I just don't feel like this is where I want to be. And I don't think this represents truly changing lives. So I was like, that's it. I'm going to open up my own location. <laughs> You know, I was like, I'm going to do it in the next month. And I didn't have the cash, didn't have anything. So I had to sell my car. I put the money down for a security deposit. I didn't have money for equipment. So I, I talked to a new equipment supplier in the um, space. And I was like, you're new, I'm new. Just do it for me cash on a monthly basis. If I default, just take the equipment off me. He agreed. So I got my cash and I was like, I got my equipment. And I moved into the gym because I couldn't afford to pay rent and um, do everything else. So I had my first three months lease free. And I was living in the gym upstairs with my dog, Hercules, and the dream had started. Dude, that's an awesome story. Did you sleep like the office or literally in the middle of the gym floor or what? 
um, I had a three meter, three by three meter room. Um, so it was like, you know, 90 square feet, about nine square meters. Um, and it was like a mattress on the floor with a heater. Um, and um, that was me and my dog. And so I used to, you know, I think I've scarred him for life. I used to take him for walks twice a day. But other than that, he kind of lived in, it, in the room with me for the first year. Um, it, it was it was fun. It was good. And it was a learning experience. And it's one of those things, I think, you know, business owners, um, you know, some people like dip their toe in. I think you just got to dive straight in um, and it's sink or swim. And I think that was where I sort of went. Okay, let's talk about the sink or swim because you said earlier in your story, you said you tend to live on the risky side of things. So yeah. give me a time that that helped you and give me a time that that might've hurt you. Yeah, man. Like, I guess the time that it helps me is is literally starting the business, right? Like, I, you know, at my first location, I, I didn't have the cash, but I had the belief that, you know, my first location, my goal was 216 members, $50 a week, 570000 a year. Like, that was my goal. Um, I, like I said, I didn't have the cash. I actually sat down with 51 people to try and get a, a $20,000 loan or $25,000 loan. Uh, 51 said no. The 52nd said yes. Always reflect back with this because you know, if at 47 people, I knew the 52nd person would say yes, you'd be so psyched. You'd be like, yes, I'm so close to getting a yes. But I didn't obviously know that I was going to get a yes soon. I was getting pretty bummed. I was like, oh, maybe like this idea I have isn't so good. Um, but I just kept going, got a yes. It actually helped me with um, the security deposit as well. Um, but I just went in. And for me, the where the risk side of things works out, and I think this is where luck meets it as well, like four months into my business, I were, had to pay my 12000 I was 12000 a month for my lease. It was pretty big uh, for a first sort of location. And I didn't have the cash for my first month's lease. So... I was like, what am I going to do? And Groupon was pretty big back then um, over here. I was like, well, I'm going to run a Groupon, but I'm not going to do it for my service. I'm going to do it for an alternate service so I can sell those people, like cross-sell them into my business. I didn't own an infrared sauna back then. That's like a sauna that's slightly different. Uh, but I went to Groupon. I said to the guys, let me run a, a deal for this infrared sauna. It's normally like 100 bucks a month uh, for eight sessions. And they're like, oh, you don't have a website. It's not on your website. So I was like, hold on. And I, it was like I grew the business back before like um, you know, lead pages and click funnels and landing pages, all this sort of stuff, right? So I was like, built a website. So I built this website and took some pictures off Google and I was like, see, look, here it is. It's like, you know, here's my sauna. Um, and I didn't own one. Um, and they were like, okay, let's run it. And it was like 12 days before I had to pay the rent, that first month's rent. If I had to fail, they would have kicked me out. Everyone would have you know, been right. Because so many people, when you start a business, like you shouldn't do it. You're making okay money right now. Be safe. Like just do what you need to do right now. Um, and like it went crazy. It sold over 800 infrared sauna deals. It made $21,000. You know, after Groupon took their cut, I got cut $15,000. And I got the, the check or they got the, the money about two days before I had to pay my rent. Luckily enough, on the deal, on the deal actually, um, I wrote, you can't redeem this for 14 days. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't redeem it. They couldn't come down and use the song, one, because I didn't have one. <laughs> but when I got the 15,000, I paid 12,000 rent. I called up this company called J&H Saunas. I bought a $2,000 sauna express delivered, and I had $1,000 in my pocket. And that's how I survived that first month. I like sold thin air and, and I kept it going. And I also had 800 people coming down to my business, trialing an alternate service which I cross-sold them into my gym. That's genius. Would you do it that way again? 
Um, I've tried it that way a couple of times with different cross-selling, right? Like we've done, you know, essentially some massage stuff that's worked really well, getting a massage therapist and, you know, running some deals with them. So we both get lead generation. I'd cross-sell. Um, I've done it with like eBooks and recipe books. I've done it that way. Like it definitely works. I think people need to step outside the box that they think they have to run in mm-hmm. and just look at it differently. And when you start to looking at it differently, you just start to, um, you know, if everyone's an orange, you're an apple. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Cross-selling is genius, but would you go back and do it again where you literally were leveraging this fictional sauna deal just to get the money in order to get the sauna just in the nick of time? Would you recommend somebody do that type of whatever for whatever their product is? Honestly, man, like that's that's honestly who I am. Um, I would. I, I don't know if anyone else can. I think you know the level of stress I live with now is is a different type of stress. Yeah. The challenges I live with is a different type of challenge. Um, but, you know, if the scenario presented itself again, 100% would. I think, you know, yes, you can always, if you want as a business owner, save your cash, have all your ducks in a row and line it all up. But I believe that people's potential is truly reached when they're pushed outside their comfort zone. So if everything's ready and everything's lined up and everything is like has its place, you never really pushed outside your comfort zone because it's still going to be easy. You still waited just long enough. So, you know, it depends on where you sit and how you deal with stress. But I played sports and I love like, you know, being the underdog. I love proving people wrong. I like having that chip on my shoulder. So for me, like I would 100% do it because that's when I rise to the occasion. I think entrepreneurs in general rise to the occasion. And if it's not hard enough, they don't go into flow and it gets boring and they procrastinate and they make it hard so they can then rise to the occasion. So I think, yeah, 100% I would recommend it to people. You know, I'm more like you. I need to manufacture that pain point to try my absolute hardest. And I'll be honest, I think most businesses don't get off the ground because people are too afraid to take that risk, right? So people who are a little bit more of planners, a little bit more, uh, let's say, even temperament, they're missing out on explosive growth. Now, I will also say I think risk is better in the beginning of your business than it is, let's say, in the later stages of your business. But that too could also be a limiting belief. Who knows? Yeah, man. Like I completely agree. Like I guess where it didn't work out for me, but I always look at learning points. Like I did retreats in Bali. Um, So I rented this, I flew to Bali, um, which is like, who I don't know anyone knows where it is. It's in Indonesia. It's like, Mm -hmm. I guess, a tropical island. Um, and I flew to Bali and I was doing these fitness retreats um, and I, I flew over there. I found this location and I don't know if you've dealt with people in essentially like countries like that before, oh, yeah. but I flew there. I locked down this location for the year. Um, it was like about a hundred that they do, they use us dollars. So it's, you know, the Australian dollars pretty crappy at the moment, <laughs> but um, you know, with us, it was like a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, great. Got this location for a year. Hop back on the plane. I'd already pre-sold actually three retreats. So I sold three lots of 12 just off like a Facebook status. So I'd already needed to lock it down because I sold the vision risk without having the location. And then I went and found the location. And then I got back off the plane in Melbourne. I had this email sitting there 
And they're like, sir, you can't use it between August and uh, October. Oh. I was like, I'm holding retreats then. We just did this deal. I just flew to you, the country and I just organized it. They're like, no. So I literally was driving home. I had to turn back around, jump back on a plane, jump on another seven-hour flight back to Bali and I had to find this location again because I had pre-sold it. So I was flying, driving around Bali for like a couple of days looking for locations. The only one I could find to fit the bill was like it cost about $350,000 dollars for the year. So it was over three times the one that I initially had found. Um, then my equipment that I was putting in there. So I was like literally building a gym in this essentially villa on a cliff. And the equipment would normally cost about 12000 They said, well, if you want to buy it here, it's 50000 US. And if you want to buy it in Australia, well, we're going to charge you like $35,000 to get it through the docks. <laughs> so you might as well just buy it here. And we can't, we can't guarantee that you're going to get it in. So I'm like, okay, cool. That just went up five times the price as well. Um, and then the Australian dollar took this massive nosedive mm. mid-year when it was actually, we had our dollars pretty strong. Um, and then it took this nosedive. So everything started costing like 25% more. Um, for me, like initially, if we had have had the numbers, we did about 12 retreats at a, about 144 people at about $2,800. So we made like $400,000 for doing 12 weeks of work in the year in an exotic location with like 15 staff around us. It was pretty amazing. Um, but it wasn't uh, just 400000 to do it anymore. It, our costs went up around the 600 k and we're losing money on this uh, venture. Yes, our current members had a great service. People were raving about us and all the rest of it, but we we're losing money on this, this risk that we took. Uh, I eventually ended up renting the villa out for about 12 weeks of the year with me and my wife. We rented out to other businesses to do similar <laughs> things like us, and we ended up break-even um, which is lucky because we're renting out for about $15,000 a week and we end up renting it out for about 12 weeks of the year. Um, and we got to use it for time for ourselves. But sure. for a year's work, as a side hustle, essentially, or essentially, a um, um, when we look at an elegant business model, this would be a premium offer for our current customers. We worked for a year and we got zero dollars back. Oh my god, that's insane! Okay, so I want to <laughs> I want to go back to this part of your story because I do not want to skip over it. Where you said you were looking for funding for your first gym. Fifty-one people said no. The fifty-second said yes. Here's where yeah. most here's where most people fail. So I want real like strategic answers here. Number one. How did you find the courage to keep going? Call it whatever you want. And number two, was there ever a moment that you like 99% were about to give up? Um, no, not at all. Like again, growing up, like I, I had this sporting um, background. I remember when I was like, I have, I have the mindset of like, I guess it's a growth mindset or the whole grit sort of thing. I remember when I was playing like under 12s um, as rugby league and I at the end of the season, I got the coach's award and the coach's award is essentially, I, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but for us, it's like, oh, good stuff, man. You're not good, but you kept trying. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm the worst person on the team. And I was 12 years old and I was like, I am never going to be that again. I'm never going to get the coach's award again in life. So I knew that I just need to keep showing up. I need to keep doing my skill development. I would get better and better. And then the next year I played state and I played Australia and then I had a contract. Um, so for me, I think it's the same sort of thing. I knew that 
you know, if I had the skills in place and I kept showing up, it would eventually like manifest and I would get the deal. And it didn't matter if I had to talk to 150 people, I would have just kept going because like that's that's who I am. I would knock on doors and I would get the right answer. Um, and, you know, I, that's what happened. Like I just kept knocking on doors. And I think with most people, they think business is easy, but it's not easy. 96% of businesses fail, like 2% make a million dollars. So of course, it's going to take 50 people to talk to, to um, essentially get like the 50 second to actually give you some cash because, you know, the, the stats are not in your favor as a business owner. So you better be charismatic. You better be able to articulate your message clearly. You better actually show them hope and belief that you have what your plan is and that you can take it there as well. So I think that's such a crucial thing. You can't stammer through the process and not have the uh, the uh, optimism yourself that you are 100% going to make this happen. Okay. So you have now formed a coaching foundation called Think Tank Australia. And you, you'll see in a minute where I'm taking this. You just listed all these personality traits that somebody has to have in order to succeed. And in this Think Tank... Think Tank Australia, you coach up and coming business people. How do you coach that into somebody who doesn't have those personality traits right now, but they want their business so bad? Yeah, I think that's a little, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think internal reflection is such a crucial thing. And we do this on a quarterly basis with our guys. And at the start of the year as well, we sort of, um, from Cameron Herald, he does this thing called a vivid vision. He does this three-year vision that you, you sort of list out, you know, what your business looks like, feels like, smells like, customers are saying about it in three years' time, what your staff are saying about it in three years' time. But I also take it to the next level. It's like, who do you need to be in three years' time? Like, what is the representation of you? What are your character traits? Um, and then so we know exactly who you need to be, whether it be trust, respect, your leadership values, um, you know, honor, doing what you said you would do, like all these things is about 10 or 11 of them, these character traits that I believe are a, a great business person. Then what, you, what we do is it's like, okay, now rate yourself one to 10 and give yourself a sentence on where you are right now. So it's like if you're, you know, don't do what you said you do. If you're not disciplined, okay, rate yourself. And where aren't you disciplined? And then we sort of look at the gap. So it's like if A is where you are and B is where you need to be, then we look at the, the essentially the ones that you need to work on first. So that first 90 days over the three-year vision, we really need to either read the books or we need to you know focus on the discipline or upskill yourself through training videos or accountability. Um, whatever it is that's holding you back in your character traits, that's where we need to work on. And it can be done through communication skills. It can be done through leadership skills. Obviously, you have your marketing skills, but it all comes down to then again, confidence, right? So if you're, if you're more confident, you're more competent, you're more confident. So I think that's the big thing we look at is trying to inc increase people's competence in the areas that they uh, have their downfalls. And then all of a sudden, they, they're more charismatic. They are more confident in every single conversation that they need to have and their business starts to grow. Man, TJ, that's such good stuff. So there's so many dang coaching companies out there right now. You earned the right to form yours, right? You've got a 21 location, $12 million a year chain of gyms. Like you've done, you've walked the walk. What about all these other coaching businesses out there? What makes yours stand apart from all the other ones popping up? Um, yeah, man, like it's... Um 
it's crazy the amount of coaching businesses out there. I think what happens is I see a lot of people, um, people pop up doing this coaching. They try and start a business and then all of a sudden they didn't, it didn't work. So now they coach businesses because they might think they, they have the theory behind it on what makes it happen, but they just can't do it themselves, whether they didn't have the grit or the resilience or they just, I'm not sure, maybe their product wasn't aligned. Personally, for me, when we go back to character traits, I feel like that's out of integrity because you're, you're, and I'm not saying yes, you know, to, you know, do heart surgery, you must have had heart surgery on you. I think like some industries for sure is knowledge acquisition. And then like, I want my doctor to have gone to uh, the university. I want him to have done that. He didn't have to have some form of heart surgery prepared on, done on him. But I think for a business coach, you had to have had a successful business. If I'm going to get a financial planner, I want them to be able to have made themselves some money. You know, and this comes down to being a personal trainer. I want them to have transformed themselves in some way and be the epitome of their product. I think some industries, it is crucial to have that. So if you're a business coach, like what stands you out is like, wow, okay, cool. You've actually done what you're telling me to do. So there is some form of alignment and integrity behind behind every word that you're saying. It's not theory. You're actually still doing it right now. And it's real world examples. And I think that's the big difference. Dude, I totally agree. Okay, so you've taken all the success. And here's what I really want to talk to you about. Because this show, you know, the, the tagline is when good people make good money, they do great things. So here's where I really wanted to take this direction today. You and your wife, based on all the success, have started a foundation. And I think it's called the if not now, then when foundation. Is that right? Yes. Okay. First, start by highlighting what that organization is. Uh, for us, like our goal is like over the next 10 years to help impact kids um, and help them with food, water, shelter, um, and education. We partnered with YGAP, which is another foundation um, last year, and we've been pushing our money through that. And they help entrepreneurs in essentially these third world countries be able to deliver their products and services and create revenue streams in these countries that actually better these countries as well. So for us, we hold a foundation through our uh, a board through our gyms where we raise money. We, I do seminars, uh, which is all for uh, the If Not Now Then When Foundation as well. And we give a percentage of our profits to the If Not Now Then When Foundation as well because I believe that entrepreneurs, you know, if you can make money, you should make money. And like, you know, some people like to rest on their laurels and like, oh, that's enough now. I was like, no, if you can make more, make as much money as you possibly can because you have a duty to the rest of the world to make as much as you can because if you can make it, then you can help other people. Um, And then with that, that's why we started If Not Now Then When. I think like once you've helped yourself, you know, it goes back and you move it to a higher purpose, which is like contributing back to society. Um, And now we work for contribution and contributing back to our, uh, foundation to help kids who can't really help themselves. And we want to create better lives because, for them because that means we're truly impacting the world and we want to help a million kids over the next 10 years. Oh, dude, that is, first of all, well done. Congratulations. I freaking love that that's your ethos. You know, you're, you're just like Lori and I. So has it been easier or harder or about the same as you thought it would be to open your own foundation? It's been actually pretty hard. There's a lot of um, legal sort of, um, it's just a lot of hurdles, man. Like you're jumping hurdles, making sure you're doing everything by the books. Um, it's kind of not my domain normally. Like I said, like I'm pretty risky. I'm just start, I take, a, it's like the uh, whole ready aim fire. I normally just fire and hopefully like I start to correct my, my aim afterwards. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing a foundation, when you're really trying to, you know, 
get money in. We don't like, it's not panhandling or something like that and like asking people for free donations. We do seminars and give money from ourselves. It's, but at the same time, you still have to make sure legally you are doing everything correctly. You know, people have transparency of where the money is going, making sure you're partnering with the right people. And I think that's a big thing that, you know, when you're going down this route, that everything is, you know, all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. Yeah, there's no room for error, right? It's so heavily scrutinized. No. So did you ever just consider donating to a similar cause? Or did you know you had to do your own foundation all along? Because a lot of my listeners have the same desire, right? They have the desire to be successful and they're well on their way to that. And One of their big drivers is contribution. So what would you advise somebody looking back? For me, like we always wanted to do our own one um, just because we could know exactly how we're impacting. And, you know, as we're growing the gyms, like it's something I wanted to do with the gyms. And, you know, every centimeter loss or kilo loss is going to be giving a percentage so our members can feel like just by transforming their bodies, they're helping transform the kids' lives. Like that's something we're moving into in 2020, so next year. Um, And it's, it's the whole thing, right? Like you want to be a company that can directly impact lives because then the members feel like they're contributing just because they're being a part of your company. And I think there's more buy-in and there's a better community feel from that. So that's our direction with the foundation over the next year. But for that, we need to help them directly impact and see where the impact is going from being a part of that that membership. And we couldn't do that personally if we just aligned with another foundation uh, or just gave money to another charity. So I think that was a crucial thing for us. And I wanted to, with my wife, we wanted to do it ourselves and we wanted to do it on our terms. And I think that's the biggest reason. Looking back, if if you do want to just give and feel like you're, you're giving, most definitely like find a foundation or a charity that you 100% align yourself with, you know, give a percentage of profits or whatever it is that you're wanting to do and give it to them. If you are 100% aligned, but if you can't find that, you know, it's willing, to, it's, it's, Put in the time, get it set up correctly. It will take a good six months to get it going. And then, you know, stay true to your word because I think some people also, you know, they only, they give when they have enough money to give, but you should start giving before you have enough money to give because it's funny how the world works. When you give when you're not even ready, the world starts to give back to you. And that's without me going too much foo-foo um, down this road. I think that the, the world works funny. And I think the more you give back to the world and help others out, the more, more the world helps you in your business. Dude, I could not agree more. So TJ, where did this drive for generosity come from? Because you're going above and beyond, right? And you literally said something that we preach on the show all the time. And that is people have an obligation to be successful so they actually can contribute in a meaningful way once they're successful. So where did your drive come from? Like, to be honest, I think it comes down, I think a lot of amazing business owners, and this isn't every business owner, so like, you know, there's exceptions in the rule. I think a lot of great business owners come through a sporting background because they understand what it means to succeed. They understand what happens in losses. They understand that there's delayed gratification. Like you look at people going to the Olympics, right? They they train for four years to run a 10-second race <laughs> to lose to train for four years to run a 10-second race. It's crazy Just to think of it that way, that, by the like, way. Yeah, man, it's crazy, right? Like, so delayed gratification is huge in sports. I play a whole season to maybe get to the finals, to maybe win a grand final. And if I didn't, I have to start a whole season again. So, like, for me, like, playing sports is like, 
you know, I don't care how long it takes me to get successful. I appreciate the journey that takes me there. And I think so many people have this like destination addiction. And I think that's what's the problem with um, business owners when, you know, if you understand it's the journey where you find yourself and who you're becoming. And that's really what we're put on this you know, earth to you know, for, right, is to find our potential in life. And that destination, who knows where it is, but as long as you're showing up better every single day, then the destination will essentially take care of itself. So I think that's a big thing that people need to focus on. And if you do that, then you have the grit and you have the resilience and, you know, you can keep pushing forward as, you know, Angela Duckworth would say, the whole book and grit, that like, you just keep grinding it out. You lean into the resistance because you understand that. I think that's one of the crucial things that sporting people understand because they've inherently got it bred into them from a child. But, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to be a sporting person. You just have to have those qualities that you understand that it takes hard work. You have to understand it takes sacrifice. You have to understand it takes delayed gratification. And it's not about likes and followers. It's about service. It's less selfish. It's more service. And I think if we can all focus on that as people, you know, we can endure a little bit of pain for the greater good. Dude, yes, we will work way harder when it's for somebody else than when it's just for ourselves. I couldn't agree more. You're literally the the poster child, by the way, for not only being successful, but also then being of contribution. And I just want to say thank you for showing up in the world that way. Do you have a favorite moment of giving? I ask everyone this question, by the way. <laughs> um, like a favorite moment of giving for me, like I've, I like for me when I first had my first mentor, I was six months into business and I didn't know what I was doing correctly. Like my 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 marketing was walking the streets and this is like hustle, right? This is like determination. I would walk up to a hundred people every single week, offer the ask them three questions. If they answer these three questions, they want a month of free training. Um, and I knew that, you know, if I walked up to a hundred, forty, eight of them would say no and twenty of them would say yes. And I would start getting twenty clients trialing me for free every single week. And that was my numbers I used to work on for the first like six months of business. Like that that's like paving, you know, pounding the pavement. And six months in, I was like, man, like there has to be a better way to market. Like I was removing and I was going well, but I was like, I'm never going to expand this business marketing like this. I saw this mentor in the States um, and he was um, great at social media marketing. I didn't have enough money to pay for his mastermind at the time. And I was like, he was like, whoever can rep his website, his blog, the best one, a year of mentoring and coaching could be a part of his mastermind. You know, long story short, like I went down to the tattoo shop, I tattooed his website across the back of my shoulder. And I won a year, man. Like I won a year of mentoring and I started learning marketing. I started learning mentoring. I started like, like, like essentially how to grow my business. And then from then, like without even saying it, like, hey, tattoo yourself. Like one of the guys, um, like I, I grew my business from that and it was amazing. And it was a line in the sand for me going, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to succeed in business. And I just know that I need to learn more and acquire more skill. And I think it was a, a huge thirst for knowledge for me. But then from them, um, one of the guys, six months later, I was talking to this guy on a coaching call and he was like, I helped him out. He was actually going bankrupt and helped him out for free. 
um, to get out of the struggle he was in because he had like three kids. He had his wife. He was stressed. He was about to lose everything. So I was like, you know what, man? I'm going to help you out for the next eight weeks. Don't even pay me. Don't even give me anything. I just want you to have a better life than the stress you're currently living in. Over those eight weeks, we helped him you know, increase his revenue by about $200,000. It was pretty crazy. At the end of the eight weeks, like he tattooed my name across his shoulder. Um, and we actually mentored him for the next year and, and grew him to a seven-figure business. I think without, it's not giving back to the kids, but it's giving back to other people in circumstances that you know you can help. Like that's abundance mindset. And I think that was one of the best giving moments for me because I could change someone's life. And I think we all can change someone's life in a moment. I tell my trainers that someone can walk into a gym and they could be down and out and they could have had a crappy night the night before and they could have had a crappy moment. And then if you let them have a crappy day, they could, you know, grab the muffin, you know, argue with the boss. They can then decide not to come to the gym the next day. And because of that moment, the needle moved the wrong way and the next six months could be a downward spiral. But if you saw someone come in and you think you they need that little bit more help and you are at 120 with a bit of motivation and a bit of optimi- you know, being optimistic for them and asking them, like, are you okay? And you turn the frown into a smile, you could move the needle the other way. And in that moment, that just one conversation, that one smile, they could make a better health choice at breakfast or at the morning tea and they could not argue with their boss and help them with the ability and the power of choice. And in six months' time, they could have transformed their body, which probably could have transformed their family and transformed their community themselves. So whether it be health, whether it be in business, every conversation has the power to change someone's life. And I think that there's so many moments that I can remember from giving back. And I think just one of them was um, Josh and his family and being able to change their lives. Man, what a beautiful story. I absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. Just a couple of quick questions left for you because I want to respect your time. How do you do it all as a parent, the successful gyms, the coaching companies, the foundation, everything. Give some of the, like the, the parents out there listening a tip on how to accomplish everything that you are. I think having a really strong foundation with your relationship, like me and my wife, like I respect, she works in the business. She's like, she is so smart. Like I respect her with everything she says. It doesn't mean sometimes we have different ideas, but we respect each other's ideas. I think sometimes some people think they're the alpha in the business relationship. Like we are definitely equals, but we're equals that stay in our own lanes. Like I have genius level tasks. She has genius level tasks and we sort of respect each other's tasks. And I think that's a big, thing. Um, It's understanding when is work and when is not. And I think that's a hard thing for most, um, you know, small businesses growing. So, you know, I'll, I'll wake up early and I'll train before the family wakes up. So then, you know, then I get back and my wife trains because obviously I think that you have to look after yourself to be able to look after your business and be a role model for for your kids. And then the morning times for us is 100% there for the kids. Um, we're there, we're present, we you know play, we eat breakfast together, and then our kids go to crash in the morning, um, you know, about 9, 9.30, and then we work together. Like sometimes across, I'm across a couple of offices, and I'm super structured with my day. Like my meetings are sort of broken down to the minute, and I even have like an hour and a half each day of just putting out fires time. So, you know, if there's, you know, crap hits the fan, like that's the time that I spend every day like fixing problems. Because if not, like your whole 
life, you know, goes to hell. Like, you know, you're always fixing problems. So you have to have that schedule in your day. And for me, you know, that sort of 5.30 hits and we, we pick up the kids and, you know, it's time together. And, you know, we're as a family doing dinner, sitting down together, uh, making sure everything's there. We put the kids to bed. And, you know, then for me, some nights, yeah, I'll come back to the office and I'll work. But my my boys, they don't know either way. Like they see dad in the morning, they see dad at night time. I don't make excuses not to see them because I think it's so crucial that, you know, it's not, they didn't choose to start a business like I did. Uh, and I chose also to be a dad. So I'm choosing every day to be a dad. But I think it's the same thing. It's looking at your wife and looking at your partner, wife or husband that, you know, they didn't choose you not to be present and seen there. So if you have the stresses of work, it's like you leave the stresses of work at work. And, you know, I think it's like 82% of small businesses are family owned business. So like it's, it's easy to always talk about business and take your stress out on your partner. But, you know, we made this rule, you know, when our first son was born like four years ago, you know, we still have date night every Friday. So no matter what, no matter what happens, I don't care if there's money in the bank or not money in the bank, date night could be walking, going for a walk together, holding hands and and um, just spending some quality time together. But for us, you know, we go out to dinner every Friday, we have a glass of wine, we laugh, we reconnect as individuals, not just as parents. And I think that that's something that's tonight for me, like I look forward to every Friday just to spend that two or three hours my wife and connect with her as a person and as a partner and as an equal. And we take that into our business as well. I think that's how we together support each other to do it all. Oh man. Okay. I could talk to you all freaking day. I love everything you represent. I'm not kidding. Just the way you're showing up in the world is a real inspiration for everybody. So where can people find you, follow you, like plug into you more to get more of this greatness? Yeah, man. I think the biggest thing, I hang out on Instagram a lot at the moment. I made this deal to myself last year. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this Instagram thing. Um, so I, I sort of make sure I do edu- educational posts for business owners twice a day. Every single day, I share you know, tips on my stories. And it's Travis Jones Entrepreneur um, on Instagram. That's my, my handle, Travis Jones Entrepreneur. Um, and I think that's the biggest place where you can find me. Like, I can't do many platforms. So when I go on one, like I go all in. Um, and um, I think that's sort of how I, I do life. So if you want to see behind the scenes of how we go across multiple companies and how we do the relationship side of things and how we handle the family side of things, and um, you, know, you can see some of my ups and downs, like jump on there and you can connect and ask me any questions. I'm always happy to help business owners as well. So you ask me questions, I'll give you feedback. Dude, I love it. I'm a fan. Okay, last question. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and wealth? Yeah, it's a funny one, right? Like I get hate every single day. <laughs> um, and I think it's it's comes around people's um, scarcity mindset and also fear of like being rich is evil. And I think it's so funny, right? But it comes from us growing up mm-hmm. as, as people. Um, you know, it's what we're taught. You know, Scrooge McDuck and Mr. Burns on The Simpsons. Like they're always these like rich old men who essentially had a crappy life and no one was around them. So, you know, plugged into our subconscious mind that if you have money, you're going to be lonely and you're going to be evil. So I think like that's like my generation. Like that's what we ended up looking at. But I think if you can change it to be more so the fact that if you're growing up and you make money, you can help more. You can't apologize for wanting to do better for yourself. You can't apologize for wanting to do better for your family. You can't apologize for wanting to do better for your family. You can't apologize for wanting to do better for society. And if you make more money, like you can help more people. So like 
why would you ever want to apologize for that? I think, you know, it's just that small reframe that, yes, people are going to question you, but that's where their limiting beliefs are standing in life right now. And you have to say, well, that's your choice and that's your life and this is my life. And I don't apologize for how I live life because I'm trying to live to my true potential. Oh man, TJ, I love it. What a great note to end this thing on. Everything that you have shared with us is a total gift. I'm so grateful. I'm, this has been a really fun hour for me getting to know you. And you know, if you ever make it to LA or if I ever make it out there, let's make sure we connect. So I, just, I love your ethos and everything you stand for. Thank you so much. Seriously, my pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.